and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. So welcome everybody to today's podcast. I am your host, April Hanna, and many of you know me from the Path 11 podcast. And I am joined today with Mary Peichel, who is the host of Magic and Miracles. And some of you, I am sure, have listened to podcasts that Mary and I have done together. We have been really good friends for many, many years. We're both trained psychotherapists, and we're both on a path of spiritual awakening and delving into you know, energy work and things of that sort. And we have a topic that, as friends, we have been talking about uh, for the past couple of months. And we decided, you know what? We have such great conversations. We should probably be podcasting this and recording it, putting it out there to see what other people uh, think about what we think about. And we're basically just sharing our opinions and our thoughts about topics that we feel really passionate about. And we are hoping to actually turn this into its very own podcast. So I would like to introduce you guys again to Mary Peichel, if you're not familiar with her. Mary, why don't you uh, share with our listeners a little bit about your background and history? Hi, yes. Um, I am a clinical psychotherapist. My background is in social work. The beginning of my career for about the first 15 years, I was what I like to call a foot soldier social work. I was out in the community working with families, children, and that just evolved into my own personal passion, helping people clinically, helping people get over depression and anxiety and meet goals in their life. And I've always been very spiritual since I was a little girl. I grew up Catholic and I just had lots of questions about that. And that led me into this whole age of spirituality. And the way that I bring that into my practice now is through being a mindfulness-based clinical psychotherapist. So I do a lot of meditation. I bring in a lot of energy work with my clients. My latest thing, and maybe the thing I love the most, is I just completed my Kundalini Yoga teacher training, which has been amazing. But like April said, we have been really good friends, and we just have the best conversations. And we don't have it all figured out yet, but there's been this topic that we've been discussing, and we just decided to put it out there. So we don't have a name. We don't have anything organized, but it's kind of like, and I think that this is from A Course in Miracles, when the time is upon you, start. Actually, it might even be Yogi Bhajan. I think it is. It's a Kundalini thing. So when the time is upon you, start. Meaning we had this intuition, we had this inspiration and this passion and these great conversations around this topic. So we thought we would just put it out, putting the cart before the horse, so to speak. And if you show up, you will be kept up. So what is to follow, I'm sure, will come. And this is our way of just putting this energy out there and offering you this service. Cool. Yeah. So um, for those of you, too, that don't know my background, I have a master's degree in community counseling and I am a licensed mental health counselor. So Mary carries a a license in social work, licensed mental health counselors. It's just a different license, um, but similar course and track. You have to take state tests and and things of that sort. So I have been um, licensed for many years in my own private practice now, but my family was also very... 
Catholic growing up, but also very spiritual. Uh, my family members were pretty intuitive and psychic, so it was very normal to talk about uh, situations that maybe to some people seemed paranormal, but were very normal in my household as well. And it was when I was in my 20s, I met a woman by the name of Jeanette Defoe, who Mary has also worked with. So Jeanette Defoe is one of our teachers, and that's how Mary and I met. We met through uh, one of Jeanette's women's wellness retreats that she was holding. But Mary and I had been seeing Jeanette for many years and never bumping into each other or knowing each other. So we met at this retreat. But it was with my meeting of Jeanette that really led me into further investigation and study about more spirituality. And she was the first person that ever performed hands-on energy work for me. And after that session, I was able to have so much closure and healed so many things that my traditional talk therapy that I had been in for most of my life was not able to heal. So I grew up with a bit of trauma, uh, living with an alcohol and drug addicted parent, having to move around uh, many times, living with my grandmother, living with other family members, when my mom was not able to care for me. So I had some trauma and my family put me in therapy right away. So um, I knew that becoming a therapist because I had been helped through the years was vital to me to go into this field and profession. But once I met Jeanette, and experienced an energy healing, I realized and was called to want to do more of this work so I can provide this gift to other people who are also working on their traumas, depression, anxiety, and help them to move through it much quicker than traditional psychotherapy. So, um, and Mary, I'm sure you can talk to this too. I still continued on being a therapist because I think the blend of bringing these two together is a really beautiful thing to help facilitate healing to have people realize the power within themselves to be able to heal um, and to just live a little bit easier on earth. So, and Mary, I don't know if you want to talk to anything about that or any similarities that you have as well before we jump into our topic today. Yeah, you know, I think one of the things that connects us is that we have a lot of parallels in our life. The stories are different in a lot of ways, but both trauma early on and have always, I've always been in therapy. I had a grandmother that made sure that, you know, that that wasn't gonna get away from me, that my ability to heal and be who I was, was going to be something that was supported. And I'm really grateful for that and for her. Um, I grew up going to Catholic school, lots of Catholic dogma, but also very spiritual in the same sense. So I kind of had both and lots of questions arose in me from a very young age because of that dichotomy. Um, and yeah, you know, I was in therapy for a long time. I had panic disorder, depression, trauma, no self-esteem. Like if there's a negative on the charts, that would have been me. Um, and just being in therapy and just never really, never really making it or finding myself or getting the healing that I was searching for. And I was really invested in. It wasn't like I wasn't doing the work and wasn't showing up, but I just couldn't understand why I wasn't getting any better. And then I found Jeanette mm -hmm. and, you know, just a whole new world opened up and just healing in, in a much quicker, deeper way than I could have ever imagined happening. And, you know, I think that that was for a reason. This whole thing is purposeful. And 
having those experiences and meeting her and the field that we're in and how we how we bring all of this experience to our clients. I just see deeper healing yeah. with that I did in myself. Exactly. So so why don't we get into a little bit about the show today and what our thoughts are on it and we're going to preface it too at least you know by saying the topic that we're going to be talking about has drips and drabs of bible christianity yoga reiki energy healing um I have not read the Bible through and through, so this is really coming off of my life experience and some of my opinions, but some of the things that we are going to be challenging today are some things that are being mentioned in the Bible around energy healing, uh, yoga, just these practices of the occult and how they really are dangerous, demonic, and coming from the devil. So again, people who are listening, just want you to know take this all with a grain of salt take what you like leave the rest mary and i are basically sitting here as two you know psychotherapists uh trained practitioners that have worked with many people from different walks of life but are also you know incorporating techniques in our own practice like reiki and yoga and energy different types of energy healing and um so i just kind of want to put that disclaimer out there we're not claiming to be experts in anything this is just more of an opinion-based podcast today would you agree with that mary okay so i think this all started (laughs) i don't remember it was a couple a couple of months ago and i Yeah, I have been a devout follower of Doreen Virtue. Um, Mary and I are both in our 40s, and I would say one of the first books that I ever picked up when I was being led down the spiritual path was a Doreen Virtue book. She's known for healing with the angels, divine guidance, and as soon as I picked up one of her books and read it, I felt like I was coming home to something and really resonated and connected and followed her work up until recently and what had happened was I'm on my Instagram page and all of a sudden I'm scrolling and I see Doreen Virtue's page and it's all about this Christianity um, talk which is fine you know I really appreciate that I appreciate my Catholic upbringing I think it was a great foundation but I remember coming across some some post that was saying like Reiki is evil stop using cards the cards are the works of the devil and then I went to go look at comments and she had shut off the ability for anybody to comment on it which I thought was interesting and I think I reached out to Mary and I said has Doreen Virtue lost her mind I'm like are you are you looking at this what do you think about this and I was just shocked to see that all that she has done in the world around educating people about the angelic realm and spirituality that she is basically now calling this the works of the devil uh, that it's demonic and that she doesn't want anyone to be using her cards um, and goes on and on and on so this is what ignited Mary and I beginning to talk about this and what does that mean and I think Mary and I are very curious people too I think we're very open-minded yet skeptical and are willing to listen and hear all sides but I just felt that this was really extreme and uh, a little crazy I don't know so that that's my stance on it but Mary why don't you share a little bit about your initial thoughts so initially I was shocked and I had a lot of judgment and opinion 
But I also, as I have been just kind of sitting with her and listening to what she has to say, I do have respect for her as like really my first teacher. I was like 19 when I read her one of her books. I don't even know which one it is, but I still have them all. And maybe I think Edgar Casey might have been like the first book I picked up. I have an uncle that's like super spiritual. And I found one of Edgar Casey's books on a shelf in my grandparents' house. And maybe I was like 16 and read it. And it just like blew my mind. And then, you know, when I got a little older and I was out of high school and all of that drama and I began to kind of, you know, seek, you know, who am I? What does all of this mean? She was my first teacher. So when I saw that, I was really, really sad. I think that that's the, the emotion that overcame me first and almost maybe a little let down, but not in a judgmental way, just in a way of this is a woman that kind of really led me on my spiritual journey and what's going on here. So I really want to be as respectful and neutral in my commentary as possible, but there are so many emotions within me that are attached to this and listening to some of her videos. I think yesterday I listened for like six hours to videos like this and I was going a little nuts. So I had to take a little break and, you know, just kind of take a breath and come back and just be in a place of respect for everybody and their own path and where they are. Right. And I, I would agree with all that you say too. I think, um, what just grabs me a little bit is that, and I was listening to one of her podcasts too, about how she does get some backlash where it sounds like she is the one being judgmental, right. And is judging people for, uh, doing these things that they consider to be demonic or occult-like and trying to turn people in the direction of Christianity and the and God and all of that. Um, but it just seems to have, I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know where exactly I'm, I'm going with this, but just some of the things that I have read, like I f- personally feel I'm really okay with whatever path people want to pursue on their spiritual awakening. But I think where I run into trouble with some of this is I would rather hear them talk about the beauty of what the Lord and what God has done in their life, how they're following them. Um, But I kind of see them like taking this mission to be God's um, reporters on earth to really try to let people see the light that what they are dabbling in is evil and we have to be your educators and we have to speak the word of God um, to make sure to lead you back to him and there seems to be so much focus on that that I feel like I wouldn't be as turned off or maybe in my own way like you said feeling a little hurt or judgmental where it just feels like okay these group of people these sinners these people who don't know the way these new agers who are completely blind and overtaken by the devil um need to turn around it's like why why do they always focus so much on that aspect of fear and uh, not on the beauty of whatever is really happening in their life, but they they are on like this rampage to make sure that the word is spoken and that they, we have to wake these people like you and I up to realize that we're really, um, you know, being tricked by the devil. Yeah, you know, well, I think they're called missionaries for a reason. Mm-hmm. They're on a mission. And we were listening also to uh, Matt Blackburn, And he was saying, I don't know if we should say names, but he was saying um, how 
the West has become so forcefully indoctrinated by the East, right? Like people can't help but be overcome with these like new age ideas and practices. But I don't think that there has ever been any religion that's been more enforced in the entire world than Christianity. Right. right. And this goes back hundreds of years. Like, look at Maladoma. One of our Maladoma Somme is one of our um, teachers. He's actually a teacher of Jeanette, our teacher, and he is a West African shaman. And his father colluded with the Christian missionaries to kidnap him and put him in seminary school and make him a Western, a Westernized Christian minister in Africa. And one of the things that like Matt Blackburn has been talking about and a lot of these other people <clears throat> is how there's so much deceit and so much evil and so much perversion in the in the spiritual world in the new age world like sex and money and all of this stuff and it's like you know I see that too in the Christian world and I don't think that we can just say new age is bad because there are these dark characters in the new age world. I think they're everywhere. They're in the Christian world as well, obviously. I mean, look at all the stuff that has come out very recently with child sexual abuse. I have a friend that was, his life has been horribly ruined through his interactions with a Christian in power. So, you know, that's sort of the issue that I have is like, you know, they're at least half of the people out there are speaking about how there's all of this perversion in the new age and it's proof that it's the devil. And it's like, I don't think that we can say it's the new age. There's certain people and people will find themselves and filter into many different areas in life, Christianity, Judaism, the new age, whatever that might be comprised of. So that's, you know, one of the big problems that I really have is that a lot of people are saying that it is because look at these people, these charlatans. And it's like, well, it's just some of the people. But you, we could very, very clearly find that in Christianity as well. Yeah. And the other thing that I kind of found funny They're using this term, New Age, and one of the clips that we'll probably share on here is the YouTube video where uh, Doreen Virtue is talking about Reiki being evil and talking about, you know, the symbols and things like that and calling this New Age thing. And I don't understand really why they're calling yoga and spirituality and Reiki New Age. I mean, Reiki originated in the late 1800s. Uh, yoga has been around for decades. It's not like all of a sudden yoga is this new thing that is being teached, yet they're calling people who are following these very ancient practices <laughs> new age people. I don't get that. And a lot of these things, I think like the yoga sutras, they predate the the Bible. Right. Yeah. So. And, and I think... Um, <laughs> The thing that also confuses me, too, is where they say that, you know, this is proof of the devil. And but I don't understand where they get their proof from. Uh, Like that's that's the other conversation. I would love to really sit down with them and have this conversation, because it seems like when they're going a little bit on their explanation of what their belief is to be evil, demonic, uh, they just keep reverting back to the words in the Bible, like, you know, the the word the word is the end all be all and because this is written then it is classified to be the devil because somebody wrote this in a book and this is what we're believing to be true and that is what i got a lot of uh got a lot out of from 
the Jessica Smith interview with Dorian Virtue on YouTube, Why I Stopped Teaching Yoga and Reiki to Follow Jesus. And, you know, as I was sitting there listening to her talk and and the only way for her to prove that this was works of the devil was just to go back to the written word of the Bible. But I'm sitting here thinking, like, you know, the real proof to me, I, my proof is seeing people, let's just take Reiki, for example, or even yoga, where their lives are actually improving. I'm not seeing any proof of a demonic takeover of anyone that has ever had a Reiki session that I can speak of, or any of my friends or clients that are taking yoga and see them completely derail, uh, become violent people, kill people, become liars, cheaters, stealers. I have never seen any proof of these practices turning a human being into a worse human being. I've, the proof that I have only seen is that people are getting healthier. I do see them moving more away from pharmaceutical medication. I see them eating more from the land. I see them having better relationships with their children, their family members. They're working better in the world at their jobs. Their overall being feels more at peace. So when we're talking about proof, in order for me to really be able to see with my own eyes, hear with my own ears, share a story with someone about their experience from, let's say, a card reading, a Reiki session, a yoga class, I consider that to be more proof than any written word. So Doreen, and you know, I've tried to find this information again, and it just doesn't seem to be out there anymore. She says that she was possessed by a demon, and she gave the name of a demon. And she said that that is her proof. But now she only talks about being in church and being in prayer and seeing a vision of Jesus and her whole inner knowing changed. But there's also this other story that I've tried to find again and I can't find. I don't know, you know, why that piece isn't out there, but she's also basing it in that. And there is I read this book. It's called The Shattering by Jessica Smith. And Doreen also does an interview with her. And this is a woman that was Christian, I guess pretty indoctrinated Christian, and she had a psychic reading from a relative, and it just brought her so much peace that it put her on this other journey. And she studied yoga in India and went to ashrams, and like she was really entrenched in this lifestyle. And she ended up writing this book talking about how she became possessed. And that when the demons were coming out of her, they were saying their names were Reiki and yoga. <clears throat> it was like coming out of her mouth. But the really interesting thing is, and I'll get to your point in a minute. This is just kind of taking me a roundabout way because she actually writes about this. Is that in the book, two times she mentions something that we have done a podcast on before, alcohol and <clears throat> negative energies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we have that podcast out there. But she glazes over there's two sentences in the book and in one of the sentences she says she drank alcohol pretty heavily for eight months every day and then in another sentence she mentions that she did cocaine so she is you know she's talking about the experience of possession and relating it to doing yoga and practicing energy work and being spiritual but you know the thing that maybe could attract these these negative spirits 
right in my mind a little bit more profoundly she's not even drawing a, a line to and she's saying that she was this really great spiritual new age follower but and she's like you know doing yoga and going for months to india but at the same time she's also drinking very heavily and obviously doing cocaine so it just makes me question the whole validity of the book and of her they call it testimony so i thought that that was just really interesting but to get back to your point they say and i guess this is in the bible and this is where this is their premise for all of these questions that we have is that the devil masquerades as light because the devil doesn't care about your body or your physical experience. It wants your soul. So it will give you anything that you want in this human, this human experience. It will give you health. It will give you healing. It will give you wealth. But ultimately, if you follow that path at the end, he gains dominion over your soul. And I think that's where they're coming from. And there is in Jessica Smith's book, this is so in the back, she has Bible verses that kind of back up what she says. And if this is 2 Corinthians 11, 14, 15, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be that their actions, what their actions deserve. So and when I was listening to them do these podcasts and talk about this, because I've listened to like hours and hours over the past week, it's, you know, their arguments are pretty weak. Like they take what the Bible says verbatim and the Bible does say this stuff. I'm not a theologian. Like I've not read the Bible cover to cover. I have a little bit of experience being in Catholic school and doing all that stuff growing up. But I, you know, I can't recall scripture. I'm not really... I'm not really sure about um, the different books and, you know, all of that stuff. But basically, the Bible backs it up. And they are reading passages and, you know, they say people really take the Bible out of context. But if you read beyond, you know, I think there's one in there, Ask, Believe, Receive, and they say the New Age has run with that. But if you actually read the context in which Jesus had spoken, Ask, Believe, Receive, it was come to me, worship me, ask, and I will give you what you need. So it's very different than how the new age perceives it. But I think the question is, is, is this true, right? Who wrote this? They have accounts of who wrote it. There's people that are supposed to be scribes for the Bible, firsthand accounts, secondhand accounts, passed through the ages. And they say they, they can back it up because there's archaeological signs that Jesus existed and that these things happened. But I don't know. I, I'm kind of with you. Like when I see clients heal and I see them happier and I see them get off psychotropics, which I think is more demonic in energy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I mean, I just can't really wrap my head around just something written in a book. And I'm just saying it says it's evil. So it's evil. And nobody talks more about the devil than them. I've never heard the devil talk <laughs> so much more in my life than I have like that's all these people talk about they're like obsessed with the devil I know so can't we turn it around and say maybe they are the ones maybe they are the devils maybe they are the demons maybe if we want to use our psychology background maybe the devil has possessed them and are they're doing reverse psychology on the world that's what I've been saying right I have a conversation with somebody else and it's almost like you know, if you are, if you're in a place where 
okay, so maybe you are spiritual, but you're really not living the spiritual path. You're just practicing. Like you're going to yoga, you're saying you're a yogi, but then you're drinking, you're doing cocaine and you're doing all of these things. You know, that can really open you up, I think, to maybe negative experiences. And then it would be very easy to say, oh, right, it's this path that has led me down a dark place and has opened me up to these energies. Yeah, I I just think it's, I, I'm laughing because I do think that it's right that, you know, I've never heard anyone talk more about the devil than than Christianity people, you know, it's like they're, so they're almost, if you think about it, like speaking his name more than they're speaking about God Yeah, for crying out loud, you know? And so how do we know that the reverse isn't actually happening? And if we, you know, when you really talk about people that believe in the devil, they talk about him being like a master manipulator, right? Like that passage that you read there that was in the Bible, like he will steal your soul. I mean, in some regards, the way that they're preaching and on their mission, it's almost as if they are trying to steal your soul back to somewhere. Could that be the devil in disguise making you believe that you're really following the Lord? I think it's a distraction. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I think it's a distraction maybe from things that, you know, we're seeing these things heal people. We're seeing them give them their life back. We're seeing people get in touch with parts of themselves that are really healthy and they go on to create lives that can be prosperous. Right. And they can, they could be free of like this trauma. Like we're seeing that happen. And I don't know that I really, I can really wrap my head around somebody telling me that that's really evil and that's not really true like it just doesn't really make sense to me it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense to me either um i actually found i just was online because i wanted to go back to the post that ignited this within me and it was um doreen virtue on april 21st of 2019 i was scrolling and came across a picture of one of her card decks on her page and there's this huge warning label that says psychic cards can attract demons and lead you on the wrong path and she has again turned off the comments which always rubs me the wrong way right because i feel like if you really believe in something and you want to put this out there why are you so afraid to hear what the people who disagree with you have to say right? Why not just leave it open for discussion? But I've also noticed too, in the monitoring of her Instagram page that you know that there's trolls out there that do want to debate. And there is not one negative comment that you will ever find on her Instagram page. So she monitors her Instagram page very closely, deletes what she doesn't like and turns off the ability to comment probably on posts like this, that would really cause uh, a bit of a ruckus. But, um, so I just wanted to read a little bit of what she says. She says, sometimes I feel like an ex-tobacco company employee turned whistleblower. Cigarettes are dangerous to your body, but occult products are even more dangerous as they attract demons and can lead to an eternity in hell. I pray that people would stop buying and using the cards that I made or cards that anyone makes. Some people will laugh at me and say that I'm being fear-based, which I totally think that she is. That's my opinion. Some people will complain because other people still sell my, my old products. Some people will get mad because they make their income on new age practices and products. Some will confront me about the money I previously made. And some people will say that I am betraying them, but how is it betrayal? If I 100% believe in the new age, believed in the new age when I was teaching it, as soon as I realized the dangers of new age practices, I publicly admitted that I had made a mistake. (laughs) 
And she goes on to talk about blending Christianity and New Age and basically is saying, if you are involved in the New Age, and especially if Jesus is calling to you, please get on your knees and repent. Ask Jesus to lead you out of the darkness and into his light where you will be safe for eternity. Yeah. So this girl, Jessica Smith, that wrote this book, one of the things that came up in the book during her possession was that Jesus has dominion over all evil and that at his command, evil leaves. Like, that's it. Like, he at any time can say, go, and these demons must leave you. This is where I run into a big problem. So, and this is what Doreen's talking about, and I find this dichotomy that Jesus is all loving, right, and will be there for you and will save you, but only if you worship him and you follow him. It's not that he can't if you don't, he won't. That's what they're saying, but they won't just come out and say that. Mm. So I have a problem with that. So if he's all loving and all forgiving, you know, if there's something that happened in your life, like you were so traumatized, right? Because we know a lot of people that have had trauma don't trust and they would never, and you know, a lot of people don't get treatment. They'll never be able to open up to some kind of faith, right? Because it's just too much trust for their body to handle. Their nervous system would never let them do it. So Jesus would forsake these people. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I feel like that that also contradicts, you know, Jesus as who he is and, and what he's about, but he'll pick and choose. Right. If you if you can come to him and say, I repent of my sins, but I mean, God, there's so many people out here that just are not, don't have the, the history and the experience and the people around them in their life that are loving and supportive enough to bring them to a place where they can even open up to look at their trauma and to look at the path that they're on and to even have an idea that they can have a relationship with God or with Jesus. Right. So just don't see how... You know, I just don't get it. I can't, I can't draw the lines between that because this would apply to them too. Then they would be, the devil would have dominion over them and Jesus wouldn't save them according to what they say. So there's a huge dichotomy there that just doesn't, doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, I, I would agree with you too. I think what might also be um, helpful too, what do you think about maybe playing some of the YouTube video about Reiki? Uh, that Doreen Virtue has on there, just for some sound clips, so we can also explain a little bit more, maybe our our point that we're also trying to make. Yeah. Um, one of the points that I think too, that I've always said, like when I met Tom Campbell, and he really, he says in his own teaching, don't believe anything that I say, beliefs are traps. You have to experience things, you know, for yourself in order to know them on a deep level. And I think that's where sometimes, uh, you know, religion and spirituality cross paths, because look at the Bible, look at how many times it's been printed, rewritten. I mean, things do get lost in translation. What really is the true original word of God? And even that had to have been interpreted somewhat before it was written down. And I think that when we really get stuck in beliefs and same for you and I, you know, I, I wouldn't say necessarily that I am a 100% believer in Reiki. I know that I can say every day it teaches me something new, but I'm not going to sit here and say Reiki is the end all be all and should be the only thing that people uh, try because it's the only thing that works to help people heal. You know, I think that this whole 
path of spiritual awakening is always unfolding and that we really do have to be careful when we start to attach to a belief system um, to try to remain more open because it's our beliefs that get us more into that black and white thinking of all or nothing. Exactly. I think as we stay open and we just kind of be in our experience of things, things grow for us. They change, they unfold. Like we need to be malleable there. I can't remember, um, who said it, but it's one of the fathers of psychology. Like we never finish self-actualizing. We get to where we think that we want to be. And then it just changes for us. Like the world kind of opens up again. So I think it's kind of a dangerous place to get stuck in something like this or anywhere. Yes. And, you know, the other thing that uh, that turns me off, I think, more than anything than what Doreen and this uh, Jessica Smith girl are talking about and people that even preach the way that Doreen preaches is I find it to be extremely fear based. And one of the things that I feel is important for myself um, when I had to work on my own anxiety is to work to contain that fear and to move more towards of a belief of love. And I do feel like they overemphasize how much you need to be fearful, how much evil there is, that there is this devil, that there are these demons. Um, and I could see where people can become petrified if they fall into this belief. I consider it to be a belief trap. And when we're talking about, you know, demons, the occult, the supernatural, I'll tell you, Mary, and we haven't really talked about this, but I have been moving further and further away from even believing that there is anything such, any such thing as really um, demonic possessions or evil in the world. I think what that is when it appears for people is a reflection of their deep-seated fear. I believe the same thing as well. And I also think that collectively we're very strong projectors and we can kind of, I feel like there is sort of this parallel universe that exists with us that we can sort of connect to and it can connect to us. And collectively we, we project these dark things. And when some people are in dark places or caught up in too much negativity or doing things that are really harmful, they can sort of intermingle with this projective experience that's sort of hanging out right alongside of us. Yeah, and one of the really great books that I recently picked up is uh, The Reconnection by Dr. Eric Pearl. And it's all about tapping into basically the energy of God um, and how that is all within us. And, you know, I think even the Bible talks about that too, right? Like, you know, we are son or we are daughter of God, that God is always within us. I mean, some of these things, it's like, I feel like everything that they are talking about in many ways is still talked about, um, in quote unquote, the new age, but we're just using different words, different language, different metaphors. But in his book, he talks about, um, there's a great chapter, and he talks about the hidden fears in our rituals. So he is actually talking about energy healers, say like you and me, that have these rituals before they practice their energy work. So they believe in crystals. They believe that, okay, let me grab my feather. Let me grab my drum. Let me grab my essential oils. Um, let me do this and do that in order to activate this healing for my client. And he really talks about um, this energy being within us and even 
uh, states here, I want, just want to read this paragraph. He says, now sit down for a moment, brace yourselves, and if you have a couple of garlic clove necklaces nearby, put them on, because I'm about to tell you something that might rattle a few of your false foundations. And he states, there's no such thing as evil. There are no entities whose purpose for existence is to hang around and play havoc with your life or hide in darkened rooms behind closet doors so they can just find the right moment to jump out and holler boo. Not only that, they don't have cousins who hang onto your shoulders and need to be pulled off of you via weekly or monthly healing sessions or who can be warded off by expensive gem-studded pendants. Quit flattering yourself. These are created figments and fantasies strengthened only by your own fear of them. If any of these entities ever did exist, they're dead now. They died laughing at all the antics you performed, trying to protect yourself from them. One died just yesterday when it found out how much money you spent on that amulet. Let's take a look at just a few of our fear-based rituals. So he goes, in, goes into talking about, um, you know, sometimes we'll have flowers around to keep ghosts away or shaking your hands off to rid yourself of other people's negative energy when picked up during healing sessions, water bowls to catch the negative energy you shake off your hands, salt, putting it into water to break up the negative energy, um, candles, burning certain colors for protection, uh, the directions of movement like turning or walking in a clockwise or counterclockwise position. Um, he talks about jewelry, removing it, it may interfere with the healing. And he really breaks down a lot of these rituals that many energy healers have. And his teaching of the reconnection is really about realizing that God is within you and you just step your ego out of the way and allow that beautiful energy to flow through from God to the client. I totally agree with that. And you know, there's something that stuck out to me. So we are these sentient beings. We are all one and we do share energy, right? You can be around somebody that's in a certain place and you, you feel it. So I think that there is some validation to maybe some of these rituals. However, I think that if you can connect to the God within you, you can connect to that energy and stay grounded in that. You don't need any of that other stuff. Exactly. It's yeah, and, and in his book, too, he talks about, you know, reconnective healing takes you behind, beyond a technique into a state of being. You are this healing energy, and it is you. Yeah, your Right. So, to me, I believe that, you know, the universe, that I am the universe, the universe is me, you know, God is the universe, God is me, God is within me. And I don't feel that there's anything negative, demonic, um, satanic about any of that. Intent moves consciousness. The intent is to heal. The intent is to love. And my proof is not within any written word, but in the experiences and the testimonies of, you know, the thousands of people that I've worked with in over 20 years combining all of these different techniques and seeing the way that they are walking in life. That's my proof. And yourself, your own work. And my own work. Yeah, absolutely. So they, they talk about, and I always thought that too, like it was just kind of common knowledge that Jesus lives within us, but that's not what these people have been saying. So they've been saying that, you know, you are born a child of Satan, like you are not born a child of God. They said that. And that you are not God, that you are, you have sinned, like you are beneath and below and that you need to just repent every day. And God, I just thought like, what a negative 
really negative way to live. And if like, if that doesn't bring sickness, if that doesn't bring oppression, that doesn't bring anger. I mean, I really, I don't understand what would. Yeah. To me, you know, when you say that all that it does is affirm low self-esteem, self-confidence, you know, like Mm -hmm. I, I am a sinner. I am not worthy. Please forgive me. It's like, how is that advocating for love? Yeah. I just, I don't get it. I don't get it either. I wanted to touch on, um, is Doreen as a teacher and her work. So she was a huge influence on my life and, you know, I would read her stuff about like vision boards and manifesting and all of that. And I had a really hard time with it in my twenties because I really didn't understand like how to do it. And I thought that, you know, my thoughts were just creating this horrible world. And then I was opened up to different teachers and I kind of learned that we have to connect to the truth. We have to connect to the God within us and find that inner peace and find that gratitude for where you are now and that appreciation in your path and for those people and for the things within you that you struggle with, right? It creates a whole different orientation to life and how you experience what you go through. And You know, I've heard her say now that she, even though she was teaching this stuff, she was very egoic and that she would just manifest stuff and just want more and more. And she's saying that if you use these vision boards, it's like sorcery and witchcraft and an abomination. Um, And that even if you get these things, you're not going to be happy and they're not going to be sustainable because they don't come from God and you're just going to want more. And that was a really big shock to me because when I practice this kind of stuff, this is not how I see it. I don't, I don't have this insatiable appetite for more when I manifest something. I am deeply fulfilled. I am deeply grateful when something manifests for me that I need or that I'm wanting to experience my life. And I don't find that it's threatened by anything. And I've even taught this in a lot of my groups with people. It's if you're going to manifest something, you really have to be in gratitude. You really have to be grateful for everything in your life. You have to be connected to God. You have to be connected to your source. And you have to know that that's the most important thing. And that being of service is what brings you the greatest joy. And that these extra things are just sort of fun ways to express your divinity and your creative nature. And they have to be taken as that. So I was really, really shocked that she was this teacher for all of these years. And this is what her experience was with herself and what she was doing. So to me, it kind of, it was like a big deflation. Like it just deflated this big bubble that I had around her. And it's like, I'm almost not surprised hearing her explain how she was experiencing life and doing these things that she was teaching that she ended up here because I almost feel like the whole thing was a fraud now. Mm. It almost sounds like she was more lost than anything, (laughs) you know? remember like in a couple of her books reading some things and kind of cringing because they just sounded so judgmental and one of the things was um she said she would never hang out with somebody that smokes cigarettes and it was just a little blurb in her book but I was like like I don't know it just really rubbed me the wrong way and there were a couple of other things where you know ego as I look back now things stuck out with me in her books that were just kind of like, Ooh, that's a little harsh or that's a little judgmental. So maybe she really wasn't everything that she said she was. Mm, That's could be. And, you know, to the human, the human being credit, like, I think we're all a work in progress, right? 
<laughs> so we can believe that we are something or that we're really doing something or, you know, walking the right path. Um, and, you know, I'm sure she's on her own her own journey as well, trying to figure out, just like we're trying to figure out, we're just kind of walking down different paths and different journeys and experiencing life through different lenses, clearly. And I, I think these are, you know, the lens that you and I look uh, look through and see life are totally different lenses than she is looking through. And, you know, I think that's also, you know, intriguing and is beautiful all at the same time, right? Because it, it does create these wonderful discussions for us to be able to have. And the world, I think, would be a boring place if we all looked at it the same way. She is who she is so we can be who we are. And in the bigger picture, there's probably no difference in us, right? There's just, we're all here to provide each other the experience that we came needing to have. Yeah. I also find sometimes too that, you know, with these belief systems, uh, you know, and what she, she believes and what she talks about, I'm sure must bring a lot of peace um, for her to 100% know where she is going when she leaves this physical body. I am really comfortable with not knowing that for sure. You know, I've, I've interviewed a lot of people that have had near, near death experiences that died, that came back, that can talk about their accounts, that there is this afterlife, but truly I really don't know. And I don't know if any book that I've ever read is really accurate. And just because I'm hearing a story from somebody that died and came back, I don't know if that's what I'll experience. Um, but I can see where if you really believe something so strongly that you know exactly what's going to happen when you die, who you're going to meet, what your heaven will look like. Well, that makes, um, I just think for a wonderful way to live because it makes you feel so safe, makes you feel so safe. Okay. I have the answers. I know exactly what's going to happen and gives you, uh, I think a false sense of control and it's a little bit of an illusion, but, um, but I think it provides people safety in, in a world where there, we really don't know. I agree too. And I also think that, you know, it, it's work. It is a daily practice to take responsibility for yourself and to create a life that you want to experience. And I, I think that getting into not just Christianity, but anything where you kind of give your power away can be maybe a resting place or make life a little bit easier for you because, and if you believe it, you'll have that experience, right? So it's like, if I believe that every day it's just about Jesus, things are going to be great. That's a core belief. And we, we can generate that experience. But I also think, because they talk a lot about this too, is that you really have no control and no power over your destiny and what happens to you. God is directing everything. And I also think that that's a place to hide out. That's a place for people that maybe when they get tired or they have asserted themselves, and this will get me to my point with Doreen, they've asserted themselves in life and it hasn't quite turned out the way that they want to. So it's like, I'll just take my hands off the wheel and somebody else will do all of this for me. And I feel like that's a place that people can go to not take responsibility in a sense for themselves. And part of what I think happened to Doreen, and this is just my hearsay, but and I don't know if it's intuition or if it's just, you know, connecting the dots. She always had trouble in relationships. Like no matter how spiritual she was, no matter what she did to manifest things, she could never quite get it right. And many of her books 
talk about this and they talk they go through the different relationships that she's had in her life and you know and she said she finally manifested the perfect relationship well that relationship would end and then another book would come out and there'd be another relationship and finally she figured it out and then she loses all of her money right like all of these things seem to kind of happen to her and what what do we do in life when we're on a path and things are falling apart we start to look for we start to look for our path again you know where is our path how did i stray off what am i missing and i think she found this at a time she needed something mm. and it also it you know it was an explanation for why these things weren't going well for her and i don't you know i can kind of like sit back now and put put jesus in the driver's seat and now my life can be guided right so i kind of i kind of feel that there's a little piece of that in there and i don't want to offend anybody i really i'm just saying this very gently but i do feel that following something so indoctrinated not thinking for yourself and this is just the way it is it's a little bit of a cop-out yeah I'm with you. I agree. But they'd probably say, see, that's devil talking in you, girl. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I have other people in my life, too, that, you know, they don't even really follow a religion. It's just like nothing is their fault. They take responsibility. (laughs) I said that to somebody inadvertently, not not calling them out. And they had a few choice words for me. And that hit me. I'm like, wow, it's like, you know. For some people, taking responsibility is just too much because they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. If they had the responsibility, they'd have absolutely no idea how to affect a positive experience in themselves and in the world. So I also see it as a coping mechanism for some people. Mm-hmm. One thing, I wanted to debunk something because this is like has been just really sitting on me when I heard them talk about this. And they talked about kundalini yoga. And... Being a Kundalini yoga teacher, there's so much, um, there's so many references out there that are just not right. And there's there's Kundalini and Kundalini practices from many different, I guess, teachers. But there's also Kundalini yoga, which is its own thing. And they were talking about it being very dangerous. And they said, you know, they say you can't even do it with, without a teacher because it's so dangerous. You have to have a teacher. And I can find nothing in my training or in the teachings of Yogi Bhajan that says this is dangerous and only do it with a teacher. And I even reached out to my Kundalini sisters, like, have you guys come, you know, and some of them are, have like a decade or, or plus in the Kundalini world. And they're like, we've never heard such a thing. And I even had a client reach out to me that's pregnant that was like, oh, I can't do Kundalini yoga anymore because I'm pregnant and it's dangerous. And it's like, well, there's a whole center in Espinoza for conscious pregnancy, birthing, and parenthood. So it's really a great thing to do when you're pregnant. So I just wanted to clear up that that misunderstanding, and they are out there saying this, that it's dangerous and that you shouldn't do it. And if you need a teacher so you don't harm yourself, it should be something that you just stay away from altogether. It is not true. I can't speak to other kundalini things that are out there outside of yoga, but when it comes to kundalini yoga, it is not true. You should have a teacher because each practice is a technology kind of like Sadhguru like if you are practicing a set you will get a specific result from that set so if you have like a kidney problem or you're depressed there's sets for that and you want to practice the set in the way that it was meant to be practiced so you get the benefit but once you know how to do it properly then you will receive that benefit doing it in a solo practice so really the point of a teacher is to get the technology right and understand it but there's no danger in it you're not going to break some sort of 
energetic erythral or um, field in your body that's going to send you into psychosis. And they were actually saying that. They were saying doing this would send you into psychosis and has sent people into psychosis. And I just, you know, I just, I would just pray and just hope that the stuff they're putting out there, they're really putting out there gently and they're not harming people by falsely spreading ideas and expectations of things that just don't exist. Well, and, and I think that's the danger point too, right? Because in this day and age, we have easy access to just sit down and listen to things and we're, we're all trying to gather information, but then how much further do people really go to research that, right? So let's just say they stumble upon that podcast that they did. And I was listening um, to the one with Jessica Smith, Smith and they were talking about how like it is confirmed where if you practice these, um, you know, yoga positions over and over and over again they're basically calling them portals of energy that you can tap into to have like superpowers you know um and then they then then they'll just follow it up with but this is the works of the devil and why it's because this is what's written in the bible you know um but like let's say somebody had never heard of kundalini energy or was thinking about yoga and stumbles upon this and hasn't done any other research on the history of yoga or what these sutras are or why the poses are very good from like you said a technological technological standpoint of understanding just the human body, the nervous system, the organs, our digestion, you know, what these poses do for things. It's not evil. It's, it's kind of common, common sense, you know, and yoga, I mean, this is like a whole nother uh, talk, but when you're talking about, you know, yoga just isn't a physical activity. It really is a technology, but they are claiming that this technology, um, brings you into like this occult and that yes, it does work, but it can cause these things to happen. And what I would love is for them to follow up and not just say, Oh, well we've know, or we've heard of people, um, going through psychosis. Where are those studies? What, where are you getting that information from? What is that proof? And can they, delve even further into this is where you and I come in there this person's psychiatric history um, their trauma you know what what has happened to them that maybe could have led to a psychotic break but where is the proof in just saying oh well we've heard that people became psychotic as practicing kundalini yoga that's the danger I think of what of some of the stuff that they put out there too so let me I can speak to that a little bit because I was listening to um so Matt Blackburn and Stephen Bancars, he's a big one. He's like an ex-New Ager that is just out there like, this is evil, you gotta get away from it. So I guess there was this woman who was a doctor in a psychiatric hospital and there was a meditation center near there and people, I guess they got enough clients from the meditation center having breakdowns that she started to study this. But the study only consisted of people that had had negative experiences from meditation. So there's a big problem with that study, right? That's not controlled very well. Um, but here's my other thing, and this will get me into another topic that I wanted to talk about too, is that, you know, the teacher very much matters. Mm. And that's why I think the clinical backgrounds is really important as well. I remember speaking, um, and not just with one person, but I come across this a couple of times. I'm not putting down life coaches at all. I think they're amazing, and I do a lot of life coaching. It's just a very different thing, and I think that there's a certain point in life where people really need 
more clinical and there's some people at other points in their life where life coaching is like the greatest thing for them. But I think that we need to start with people with where they are and it takes a trained eye to be really respectful of that. And if somebody is doing something that they're not quite ready for and the practitioner is not aware of that and doesn't make controls to be able to observe that and get to know their client. Yes, these things can happen. I mean, I mean with trauma patients, it's like you can blow them wide open if you try and just sit and meditate with them. And you know, there there are some dangers, but I don't think they're on the real like spiritual level. I think it's more on the the psychosocial and emotional level. Like you really have to, if you're going to be doing work with clients, any kind of work, you need to know where they are and you need to be trained. And I'm not just saying it's just clinical, right? You need to be trained to support them with where they are because things like this can happen, but it's not because these practices are evil. It's because people's psyches are delicate and there is a starting point with people. Right. And for, for somebody with trauma too, that maybe sits down for the first time, um, and is doing a meditation, maybe coming into their physical body where their consciousness has not been hanging out for a while, because most people who are traumatized tend to live very much outside of their body. Meditation brings you in, you know, so then to begin to feel feelings, maybe possibly have some flashbacks or the subconscious mind is going where it needs to heal can then be interpreted as somebody having a really horrible experience in a meditation because they weren't quite ready to sit with themselves or the energy or their stuff that needs to come up to be healed. Exactly. And, you know, I do think that there are people out there like in any field doing work that aren't maybe really qualified. And, you know, you don't know, people can put themselves on social media and they could be a terrible person. You just don't know that. And I don't think that you can quantify that to the whole thing being harmful. I think we just need to be really careful. First of all, people have to be really real with themselves. Like, where am I and what do I need? And they have to start there. And that's that's a challenge and a practice for everybody. We all want to be across the pond, right? We all want to be in a place maybe we're not. We have to get really real with ourselves. Yeah. And what if- well, and my other question about that whole experience would be, what was the meditation? Exactly. You know, because what, what was that group guided to do? If you're in a relaxed state and then you are working within the subconscious mind and encouraging people to visualize this, that, or the other thing, what was the actual meditation that threw people into a state of, of a really negative experience? And again, I can only speak from my own experience and, you know, the hundreds of meditation classes that I have done, I have never had anybody come out of a class feeling disturbed. That has not been my experience. Exactly. I've worked with a lot of people like in the beginning where it was obvious, it was clear, it was evident, like we're not going to go into meditation right now. We're going to do some sitting with the story and we're going to witness the story and I'm going to give you some tools to be able to leave your house and go to the grocery store. It's like there is a process in people's healing. And a lot of times that process is just those, those one-on-one, those tools so that people can function and get through their day. We shouldn't be trying to make people open up spiritually, right? That's not the entire goal that comes along through, through the, through the, the, the healing process. Right. But it's not the ultimate goal. The goal is to nurture the person teach the person compassion, right? I mean, that's like 
that's so big. And you know, there is a lot of new age out there that's just like, Oh, let's, let's be magical and let's be mystical and get these experiences. And that's very captivating to people. Yeah. Right. A lot of people do believe, well, let me just do that. And then I can get beyond myself. And that's something that they talk about too, that new age and meditation is transcendence and it's not dealing with the issues. And I can't tell you how many people I've come across professionally and just in my life in general, speak to it that way. And it's like, if that's the meditation that you're practicing, you're not, you don't, you haven't gotten it right. And you haven't had the right teachers. Yes, there is transcendence in meditation and that's great. But in order to transcend, you have to go through yourself. Right. You can't jump the circuit board and just like hang out there in the universe. Like you, it's the presence, it's through presence that you really get to the space that would benefit you. And that goes back to what you were saying earlier about people needing to take responsibility for their own healing. Because, you know, there isn't, everybody wants a quick fix, right? Well, if I could just buy this crystal and put this essential oil on me, then my anxiety is going to stop, <laughs> you know, and I'm not going to do any work. I'm not going to do any journaling. I'm not going to do any therapy about it. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to totally rely on this crystal, uh, some sage and some essential oil to make all of that stuff go away. And I think that's where the lack of responsibility um, shows up for people because everybody in our culture right now, things move so quickly, quickly, we do want a quick fix. A lot of us in, yeah. in our Western culture, we're not told how to sit with our pain, how to work with the emotions. Our techniques are more like get rid of it, stop it, numb it, make it stop immediately. It's like people don't even want to go through the process because, and I get it, it's because we're also so freaking busy with life. You know, we've got mothers who have to, you know, take care of their children. We have people that have to go out to work every single day, or they're taking care of other people. And like, a lot of people will probably say, like, I don't have time to deal with my depression. I don't have time to deal with my anxiety because life moves so quickly. Just give me something that I can hang on to or that I can read or that I can take or that I can hold that can just put all of this loud stuff that's going on in my head aside so I don't have to deal with it and I can try to be in life. But I think what people don't realize is that that is a whole part of the life process, to be with the emotions, to be with those things, to be with your experiences, and to try to transform them so you can move in the world and feel much more peaceful and calmer. Yes. And that brings me back to, I had a conversation with a life coach and she was like, oh, you know, clinical work and psychotherapists just stay stuck in the past. We, we just, we deal with the present. And there's, there's, there's validity in both of that. It's like the past is going to be with you. Like you, you are not going to be able to get away from your past. How we deal with it is how it's showing up for you today. So the work is very much present, but you have to take into consideration what is present for you today. And it could be that three-year-old girl showing up, freaking you out. Right. So it's all so important. We can't just discount the past. We can't just say, you know, the future is something that we shouldn't even deal with. Cause that's a big thing too. Right. Cause everything, everybody saw it like on this present moment, like don't go to the future, don't go to the past, stay in the present. It's all a very important integral part of the experience of being a human being. We have this psyche trauma does live in the body. We have this whole experience that really has to be accounted for in the care and keeping of ourselves in working with our clients. And what a lot of these um, people that I've been listening to, these Christians have been saying is that this new age stuff negates responsibility to the self. 
it just puts you into the space of want more and create these material things and it's, and it's just not true. I don't know. Maybe they've had some bad experiences and that is what sort of triggered them to make the jump into Christianity, but they definitely have not had the teachers that I've had, or they definitely have not had the practices that I've had in my life because I mean, it is anything but glazing over. Like it's hard work. <laughs> I've had to look at aspects of myself that, I mean, who the hell wants to look at that? And we are not a culture. Our brains our physiology, our nervous systems are not cultivated in such a way in our culture to be present, like you said. Right. It's just there. We have to learn it. We have to teach it. And that's, I think, if we're going to say new age, I think that that is really the the purpose of the new age. In Kundalini, we would call it the Aquarian age. We've entered from the Piscean age, which was very male. And there's been a lot of prophecy on this. And so, yeah, Doreen and all of them, they talk about prophecy, too. But there's been a lot of prophecy in Kundalini on, and not just in Kundalini. I'm sure you've come across a lot of this, that there was going to be the downfall of the patriarchal perversion. And we've seen that. Mm. We've totally seen that. And the Aquarian age, it's 25,000 years. We're only a couple of months into it. So I don't know that we are going to be around to experience the culmination of it. But, you know, we're definitely, to use this term again, the foot soldiers, and we're here to do the hard work. And But it doesn't have to be hard. We can embrace it. And I think that there's so many teachers and that, like Matt Blackburn said, we're being so overly indoctrinated by this Eastern philosophy. I think there's a purpose for that because I think we are learning how to rewire our systems. And this is a little bit off topic, but I want to say there's lots of... Um, talk about the rise of the feminine in this um, particular age that we're going into. But I also want to say, and men might be feeling lost, a little off topic, but I feel like I have to touch on it and I'll tie it back in. It's time for men to kind of rise up too. Men need positive spiritual leaders, right? Because men are changing as well as women. And one of the things that um, Matt Blackburn and that guy Stephen Bancrest talked about was how there was all this perversion towards women in the new age with like John of God and like these people that they had just come across and he had gotten to know there was just like pornography and you know, all of this stuff. And part of it is like, you know, this stuff is coming out and it's falling away, but we can't just say that it's evil because these things are showing up here. You know, people who are showing up in the way that they're supposed to show up in life. And we really have to take personal responsibility for our experiences and who we come across. And it just, it gives us more, it gives us more of an ability to heal our experiences. If that makes sense, I'm trying to tie that in. Yeah. And, you know, I like what Wayne Dyer says too about things um, where he says, don't be fearful but get curious, you know? So as people are kind of, you know, reading different things, exploring different, different things, I would say, try not to meet anything with fear and just try to be curious about it. You know, like you and I work, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious about this whole concept that Doreen is putting out there and, and stuff like that. I don't fear what she says, you know, none of it feels intimidating. I think what they put out again is very like fear-based and stuff too. But I think for anyone, if it feels right for you and if, 
if Christianity or what Doreen speaks about resonates with you, go for it, right? It all depends on what feels right, what feels right for her. And that's why she's going down this path. What feels right for me? That's why I'm not going down that path. Um, but I also think that a lot of this stuff has to come back to, um, I don't know, just love and staying open, staying curious and really trying to live more of a life without any fear. Exactly. Finding the way that you can find God. One of the things that they talk about is when you pray to God, you have to pray through Jesus because if you don't, you don't know what God you're praying to. I think that that is the biggest thing for me that has turned me off to all of this is the idea that if I am connecting with God in meditation or in prayer and I can feel that love in my heart, but Jesus has nothing to do with it, then that's false. So that's one thing I would just put out there to people is you'll know in your heart, and they talk about this too. They talk about how do I know it was through my experience and what I was feeling. So I would just put that out there to people. And I do this with my clients. What do you feel? Come to your heart, come to your center. And what, what is there? What is sitting with you? And let that be your guide. We can get very heady. We can get into a lot of question asking, and is this the right path? Is that the right path? Come into the present moment and be with yourself, and that will always guide you. Yes, I agree. Now, Mary, I know you have to get going, right? You have a client coming shortly? I do. Okay. So let's, um, you know, I, I love our conversations and for our listeners too, this is like you were probably just eavesdropping on us taking a car ride somewhere because when Mary and I get together, this is what we talk about, this stuff all the time. Um, and we just kind of bounce around our thoughts from one to the other to the other, but we didn't get a chance to do it today. But Mary, I'd love to actually dissect a little bit of Doreen Virtues, why Christians should avoid Reiki and healing energy in our next show. Um, we'll go through that YouTube and maybe talk a little bit about it because there's some really good stuff in there that I think would give us a lot to just talk about and uh, share another point of view and another side to Reiki and energy healing. So uh, if you're up for that, let's get together and talk about that next. Definitely. Okay. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. We will definitely put uh, the names that we mentioned, some links that we're referring to in the podcast in the show notes for you. And stay tuned because Mary and I are going to be creating something out of this, but most likely you're going to hear this show on magic and miracles with Mary. And we will also put it up on the Path 11 podcast for now, but this will definitely be a show that's going to evolve. And if you have a topic that you would like us to discuss, feel free to email us at april at path11productions.com and i will share that email with barry great all right thanks everyone thank you Thanks for listening to the Path 11 podcast today. I hope you all enjoyed this show. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon page, I'd like you to do so because we are going to start putting some content over there that is only for our Patreon subscribers. You can get content for as little as donating a dollar a month, and it could just be a one-time donation. We have other freebies over there that you can get depending upon how much you would like to donate. And again, it could be a one-time donation, or you can continue to keep your subscription on a monthly basis 
this at that donation level, but I just put my MBT immersive experience, which was a four day intensive meditation training in Tennessee with physicist Tom Campbell. I was listening to binaural beats, going to altered states of consciousness, having out of body experiences and life changing experiences that I was able to bring back uh, for myself, for my clients, for my friends that was just out of this world. So if you would like to listen to that, I'd like you to head on over to path11podcast.com. You're going to see an orange button that says Patreon, become a Patreon today, and you can have access to that podcast. And I would like to remind you to head on over to path11productions.com and check out the membership that we have for the Afterlife Awareness Conference. We have over 25 hours of footage with amazing speakers like William Buhlman, Thomas John, Terry Daniel, Suzanne Geisman, Suzanne Northrup, Linda Fitch, uh, Austin Wells, just a few people uh, to name off that were amazing. These workshops are just so valuable. So I think that you would really enjoy it. It's also a great thing to think about to maybe give the gift to somebody who is struggling with grief. If you are looking for resources, this is a great conference to send people to to check out. And thanks again for listening today.